In this edition of Hoosology, Matt and Justin talk about the first results of the All-Star fan vote. We break down which players will make the team, how injuries will affect the All-Star game, which players will be snubbed, and a lot more. We'll also discuss if Nikolai Jokic can pull off the MVP 3 P. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. Now enjoy our latest episode of Hoopsology's In The Lab. Welcome to In The Lab with Hoopsology. I am Matt Thomas. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Good, man. Good. Uh, same old, same old. Tons of snow up in Denver and cold. How about yourself? Yeah, it's been it's been actually pretty nice. Like, a little cool, but sunny here in Albuquerque, so... Uh, we had the Lobos lose their first couple of games oh. of the season this past week. That's been a little bit of a bummer down here. They bounced back um, against Oral Roberts. So. They did. They did. We'll see how they do uh, the rest of this Mountain West Conference play, if they can pick that up. But all in all, I'm, I'm doing well. It's kind of an exciting time of the year. We've got the fan voting. First fan voting returns have released from All-Star Game voting. And we will dig into those today. We've got some MVP narratives that I think are interesting and worth bringing up. And we're going to talk about some teams that we kind of have to say RIP to, uh, even though we are just about to get to the All-Star break. So those are going to be our main topics for today. And let's jump right in. We've got an exciting period of time right now before the all-star break a lot of debate between player performance team performance stuff that i always like looking at keeping an ear out for and of course talking about on this show with you justin and it's kind of our our last excitement before i think you and i both can agree there's a bit of that like hangover after the all-star break it's it's a little bit teams positioning for the last seed or teams getting that final tank in um, so <laughs> we're approaching that part of the season, the all-star lull, but until then we've got a lot of players to talk about. And here, if you're watching on video, you can see the fan returns and we're going to take a look and see, um, in the front court and back court of the Eastern and Western conference. What are surprises? What are not surprises? And I think, Justin, just to get a few things out of the way before I turn it over to you, just just kind of large picture. One of the things that I notice every year in these votes, I think we talked about this last year with Andrew Wiggins making the the starting five of the Western Conference All-Star Game. The Warriors fans, I, I mean, they must have the most bandwagon fa- fans in the entire league because they Agreed. they have six players right now uh, in the top 10 for front court and guard positions in the Western Conference. I'll name them. They've got, um, of course, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole all made this top 10 list. Um, so of... The 20 spots that are available in the Western Conference total, you've got six Warriors players. I would say the vast majority not being deserving (laughs) of a spot in the All-Star game. But hey, congrats to the Warriors. Awesome job having, um, you know, I would say maybe the young generation on, on your side with Steph Curry having 
been lighting it up all these past several years. And then, of course, having won the title last year, you get a little bit of momentum from that. So that's one thing that I did see. Um, I think you also see which teams have no traditional momentum coming into this. Like, for example, Sacramento it has been playing really well. You could argue Sabonis belongs here. Sabonis belongs on an all-star roster, or maybe you go with Fox from that team. But to have no Sacramento Kings players on this list seems like a pretty big omission, especially when you have a lot of guys on here that are popular names but haven't played a lot of games. Like, unfortunately, you know, Kawhi Leonard is one of those that stands out on here. Yes, he's an all-star when he's playing, but he's not been able to play unfortunately so those are two big takeaways for me from the west but justin let's start with just kind of like big picture what do you see from this fan vote yeah as always it's always controversial right what does charles barkley say <laughs> the fans know nothing about basketballs so <laughs> it's, it's always controversial a few things that i notice one thing is anthony davis being third ranked higher than zion you know, as as you know, Matt Zion's been a huge figure pushed into league. You know, ever since he was a rookie, he got this plagued with injuries, and he's having a huge year. And quite frankly, it's surprising that Anthony Davis is ranked ahead of him. I, I realize he's a Laker, and that's probably the primary reason why. So that's a little bit surprising. And we'll kind of, I'm sure, we'll talk about like you know whether or not who's more deserving, just in terms of you know Anthony Davis being hurt. Um, I think what's really stands out to me as like the East is just insane. I mean, Jason Tatum's the MVP candidate and from some of the all-star projections that I'm seeing, he's like barely like a reserve. Like it's just, yeah. you know, in, in yeah. the front court. So it's just really killer in terms of competition. I think it tells you that the popularity of Kyrie Irving with, despite the controversy, number one, I think it's awesome Donovan Mitchell's number two. I think, you know, Cleveland, that's not predominantly like a great NBA market when LeBron James is not there. And it's cool just to see, I think the NBA recognize, hey, Donovan Mitchell's killing it this year. And the Cavaliers are also have an awesome season. And I really, yeah. I disagree with Barkley I, in terms of like the fans not knowing anything. One, because we're fans, I think we know a little bit. Um, two... I think you just take a look at like the Joker, right? Nikolai Jokic, like, you know, in the West. I mean, he obviously has a personality not that exciting. Um, his game, I mean, we love it. I I mean, he's one of the most, I think, phenomenal players in the league. I love but, that guy's personality too. <laughs> yeah, but I just think, you know, to a you know, casual, yeah, to a casual yeah. consumer of the NBA, you know, you can argue not that marketable, but yet he is number, number two because, of course, the King LeBron. So, and I think he would be number one if – you know, LeBron just wasn't, you know, as the icon as he is. And also, he's just having a great season of his own. Um, I think John Morant being number three, I think it's very interesting. And you you mentioned yeah, all the Golden less State. Less than a million votes. Yeah. Less mm -hmm. than a million votes for Jaw kind of sticks out to me. It does. And you and look at, say, Joe Tricks Alexander as well. You know, that's a low market team. You know, the Thunder, you know, they have been surprising, but yeah, you know, they have not been talked about in a lot of casual NBA circles. But yeah, he's number four on this list. So I think the fans are recognizing, you know, players that are performing well. And you know, you've mentioned Golden State. 
And with Jordan Poole, I mean, I think he's having a great season, but yet he, you take a look at the votes there. Um, and you, you see somebody like, you know, a Draymond with substantially more votes. You know, I think this is, you know, we all know what this is. I think it's a lot of like a popularity contest. Sure. I mean, social Familiar media. Names. Yeah, yeah, social media is a huge factor. But also, I think these players are being rewarded as well for their great play. Um and I think it's a combination of both, but uh, man, I think the East, especially that front court, is killer um, in terms of who's going to start. I mean, good luck with that. Yeah, I see. I see a mix of things. I mean, there are some names on here that are no brainers. I mean, you mentioned Jokic. You mentioned Tatum's got to be on there, and Bead's got to be on there. Giannis, Durant, like those top front court guys, really just about the top three at least in every category other than maybe Anthony Davis. If you're, um, you know, kind of a jerk like me and <laughs> I, I would not personally put someone on my ballot who has missed a month Agreed. Um, Agreed. Uh, on this, you know, first half of the season. I, I just don't think I, I value more and more um, players being there if I show up to the game. And I know that that sounds uh rough to some people that sounds unfair and yes i know talent wise anthony davis would be more talented than a lot of people i would put in front of him but i i think look if you want to incentivize players to play now granted he's injured that's not his fault you know we all want him to recover and be well but i think this is one of those incentive mechanisms to get players to play more um, and, and I think it should be used uh, by the fans as well. So it kind of bums me out to see Anthony Davis in that top three. Now you nailed it. He's a Laker. So that plays a big role in this. Um, a couple other things that I thought were interesting. Kyle Kuzma at seventh in the voting. Uh, we know the Wizards have kind of dropped off from where they started the first couple months of the season. But I did find that interesting. Uh, that he climbed that high and and good for him. Um, he's been in the media, um, at least through a lot of podcasts. I mean, you're more diehard basketball fans have heard his name a lot because he's one of the top uh, trade targets for a lot of teams. Um, a very enticing prospect. Uh, made me happy to see Laurie Markkinen on this list as well. Just with the kind of roller coaster first couple seasons that he's had, Justin, I know you had him on the Bulls, um, but good to see him get recognition, and then that Utah team also just for them to get a representative for you know being a, a really good try-hard team. The other surprise out west would be that the only representative, in spite of their success, for the Pelicans is Zion Williamson. Um, he's the only one there. I certainly would put another Pelicans player over like Austin Reeves. I certainly would put another Pelicans player over Kevon Looney. That's crazy. Austin um, Reeves. That is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that's Man. that's a glaring surprise. Also, you know, Devin Booker, unfortunately, with the injuries, um, he's down at eighth on the list. And, and I think, you know, deservedly so with the injuries. But I am surprised he didn't get more of the mass appeal vote uh, another name we don't see on here and again injuries play a factor certainly but chris paul yeah um i mean you would think he would get some default votes just because he's chris paul and this is one of maybe his last year in the league or one of the last few years in the league uh so it's interesting to see him missing from this list um the other thing uh 
a jump out name that I don't think belongs there, but I I think it has to do with name recognition and likability is Derek Rose yeah. at ninth in the Eastern Guards. Always been popular. Ever since Always been super popular. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's interesting that he is the only Nick on here and we don't see like a Julius Randall. I know he's had his struggles, but you would think that fan base uh, now, granted, he's had run-ins with the fan base, so maybe that's <laughs> that's the <laughs> consequence of that. But you would think he would be the Knicks representative out of anyone or maybe uh, Jalen Brunson. So there are some interesting things here. And I, I think you mentioned this earlier. I do think it points out the disconnect between media perception of Kyrie and fan perception of Kyrie or maybe a bigger uh element of fans ability to compartmentalize and just say like hey i love watching this guy play basketball not that media members won't say that some certainly will but i guarantee you there are media members who think like should be disqualified from this list based on controversies this season um but it's it's interesting to see him get that very very top spot on the eastern conference guards i think as as you pointed out so those are kind of, you know, bird's eye view. Some of the things that stood out to me when I was looking at this list earlier. Any other thoughts on this first fan vote? Um, I don't. I I will say just because of my bias, uh, good to see DeMar DeRozan at six. I think he has been the catalyst for Chicago. I know he's out with just a hamstring injury. Um but you know, he's he, he injured in, in the previous game. I'm not sure how long he's out for, but um, nevertheless, he's <laughs> the reason why the Bulls are barely hanging on. So it's good to see him in that fan voting as well. Yeah, it's, you know, it's always a bummer to go through this list too and realize like how many players off this list have had significant injuries this season. It, yeah. it just feels kind of weird. Like, like you look through, I'll give a few examples. I mean, we talked about, AD. We talked about um, <clears throat> Kawhi Leonard, we mentioned earlier. So that's two out of the 10 from the front court. Um, I mean, Zion was out for a little bit. Thank goodness it was more of a minor thing. Um, Steph Curry, significant injury. He's the top vote getter for the guards in the West. Um, we had uh, Damian Lillard out as well. Devin Booker, we mentioned. Um, and there's been several in the front court from the East as well. Jimmy Butler had a little bit of time. He was missing at the beginning of the season. Pascal Siakam. Um, so there've been quite a few guys that have missed significant amount of time. James Harden on the list missed some time earlier this year. So I do think there's a balance that we have to find between having, you know, mercy on guys, certainly that injuries happen and, and it's not their fault. Um, but also like wanting to make sure to reward guys that are putting in the minutes and, and playing night to night as much as possible. But don't it's kind of like with the lead the way it's the way it's organized. I mean, a lot of these guys not, might not even play any All Star games, so like they get true. the selection and then they'll get a replacement. So it's like you get to have your cake and eat it too. Like <laughs> you'll get the guy that was snubbed being a injury replacement, and then the guy will just show up to the All Star weekend anyways. Um, just to get that nomination. So it's always a weird thing. I always get confused by that because it's like you're selected, but like you don't play in the game. And then like you're injury reserved. So you get in there by like kind of a weird circumstance. Like does that mean less 
But at the end of the day, when your career is over, you're still listed as an all-star. Are people going to hold that against you? It's like, oh, well, you're an injured reserve one year. Like, that doesn't count. So, I don't know. In my opinion, yeah, it shouldn't count. (laughs) Yeah, I know I'm being strict on this. But but I think what you would have to do in that case for this to be valid is, you know, you get to a certain threshold of games. Like, say say it's like 20 games. Like, you Mm -hmm. miss 20 games out of the first – you know, 40 games or whatever that happened before all-star break, your name is not eligible to be on the ballot. That would be the only way that you could really ensure that you don't have that confusion that you mentioned of they get voted in, but they have to give their spot up, you know? But how, how many people are talking about that when like a player is going into like the hall of fame? Like, I mean, everything's so scrutinized. I'm just wondering if, if there's like a borderline player, let's just say, I don't yeah. know. Zion, for instance, is a good example. Like, let's say he has like a few, you know, let's say he's like a three-time all-star. He never wins the title. Let's say he has five all-star appearances, three legit, and then two by your standards. He gets in by, he has like mediocre seasons. Like, you know, this is just, we're just playing a fantasy scenario here, but this is issues with weight. But like he gets in because of the fans. Like when you were talking about Hall of Fame, you know, let's say he wins a title, like, is that held against them? Like, how do you weigh that in the end? That's what I'm curious about, just in terms of like, you know, these these you know Hall of Fame discussions and these everybody thinks go scrutinized. I don't hear the injury side of things. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, do you do you think that would be a trend in terms of like you know basketball aficionados holding that against players that are trying to get into the Hall of Fame? When it's all yeah, I guess I think the other way is equally confusing, where you have like say a guy makes 14 all-star games and like three of the years he didn't play in the games cause he was injured or whatever. Yeah. Like to me, that doesn't feel like you had 14 appearances. Now maybe different season to season. Like if he just like twisted his ankle the week before all-star break, that's certainly different than like the guy, you know, sprained his MCL and missed two months at the start of the year mm. or, you know, whatever, just yeah. giving rough examples here. So I, I think it actually makes history a little bit more accurate if we were to, um, you know, we always say availability is a skill. If we yeah. were to implement that into the all-star game, I think it makes history a little more easier to read and comprehend. Now it does like seemingly penalize players there's uh certain like contract bonuses and things like that that it could impact uh so that's i think more so than the long-term legacy thing i think the contract thing would bother the players the most of all and that's where the players association would probably get involved and uh like protest against me for bringing that (laughs) that up but you know i i think it is an interesting topic to bring up certainly and uh you know something that this is always subjective, which is also part of the reason that it's interesting. And, and there is no real like easy fix unless you want to like set a target of games and, and like set that. Um, but I don't think you and I will see that happen. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So um, let's move on. And one thing that I found interesting this past week, just in the past literally seven days, Uh, Twice on Bill Simmons' podcast, there have been some interesting conversations about Jokic, and I've been seeing more and more this narrative kind of felt to me like media putting out the feelers like, hey, you know, Jokic is kind of playing incredible. The Nuggets are kind of in first place. 
do you guys think it might be okay if I vote for him for the three-peat and the MVP now? I know we don't usually do that, but we're going to float this narrative a little bit and let's see how people react to it. Uh, to give you guys context, the Nuggets are first in the West. Jokic's numbers aren't as impressive as last year. If you look just across the board reading the stats, he had quite a few more rebounds last year, but he also had quite a few more teammates injured last year. He's averaging 25 points per game, 10.8 rebounds a game, and 9.7 assists per game. So if you were one of those people, I'm not saying you, Justin, but if you, the listener, were one of those people adamant about Russell Westbrook winning because of the triple-double thing, then come on, you got to jump on the bandwagon for the Jokic three-peat. Um, so I think it's it's interesting. He's got... Great shooting numbers as well, almost 82%. Free throws, 37.5% for three-point percentage. Not bad, especially for a center. His true shooting percentage, 64.6%. If you're above 60% on that, that's typically a really good place to be. Just to give you guys an idea, let me pull up my other tabs here. I just wanted to give you quick for for your reference, Justin, before I throw it to you, stats of the other players that we've talked about. So here's Jason Tatum, Celtics at the top of the East, 30.8 points per game, 8.1 rebounds per game, 4.2 assists per game. Shooting numbers not quite as impressive, although that free throw percentage is nice at 86%. Um, but this is the go-to guy of the Celtics, of course, best team in a very loaded Eastern Conference. Luca, Justin, your MVP pick at the start of the year, <laughs> having a, a video game-like season, it, it continues for him. He's got, I believe it was like 30 37% usage rate. So we're approaching like hardened Houston levels with that 34.2 points per game, 8.9 rebounds, 8.7 assists, just filling up that stat sheet percentage numbers, not as impressive as what tends to happen with high usage. So 35.4% from downtown, 74.3% from the free throw stripe Giannis and the I don't know. It kind of feels like they're struggling, even though they're third in the East. The Bucks, they've been a little underwhelming for me. Their offense hasn't been that great, but they are third in a deep East. And Giannis has 31.7 points per game, 11.8 rebounds, and then 5.2 assists. Also filling up that stat sheet. Uh, Three-point percentage, way down. Um, not taking a ton of those. Um, free throw percentage way down 65.7% still hasn't really added that element to his game, but we know the Greek freak is insane. Side note, there's all kinds of crazy nicknames that you've never heard about on basketball reference. It's, it always entertains me to look at like, for example, uh, Luca, there are several nicknames in here. I'll show you that. I didn't even know that he had the matador. Cool hand Luke, I totally get. Yeah, but I I've haven't heard, heard that one. I think the Don Wonder Boy, El Nino Maravilla, <laughs> Swaggy L. That's lame. Uh, <laughs> I would I would be calling Basketball Reference trying to get that off right. of there. <laughs> uh, Luca Legend definitely heard that one. Yeah, too easy. Makes sense, but I haven't heard that one. Is and then that Luca a Magic, like Luca, too easy. Doncic, like I 
guess i don't know <laughs> I, I don't want that one either um so i don't know it's it's interesting just seeing those basketball reference anyway interesting i digress back to the crux of the matter justin your thoughts on Jokic and just kind of the mvp race in general as it stands right now yeah it's tough because i think with with the st- rankings and basically players going back to back winning it. I think the media looks for excuses not to give it to somebody. Sure. And I think with the Joker, what you said earlier is correct with a lot of the Nuggets having their starters in the lineup for the majority of the season. I think it's going to be seen like he's having an easier season compared to last season. So mm. I think they're going to hold that against him unless they win like 70 games or something. So I think that's going to be a strike against him. I think what's very profound on here, take a look at the Eastern Conference and the Cleveland Cavaliers. You take a look at the Bucks and you take a look at the, at the Cavs. And you, you mentioned that, you know, Giannis, you know, he, the Bucks have been having an underwhelming season. Donovan Mitchell, I think, is a serious dark horse to win MVP. Mm. I still would put Luka ahead of him. I think Luka's just, I think, the better player. That's just weird because I saw Donovan Mitchell destroy the Bulls for 71 points, uh, even though two of those baskets should not have counted, but I digress (laughs) when they played. Um, Nevertheless, that was an sensational performance. But I will say, I mean, if the Cavaliers get that third seed, I would say he's more of an MVP candidate over Giannis. I mean, I think you have to really measure expectations. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has had an incredible season taking a franchise with low expectations. If they get the third seed, I mean, right below, you know, Brooklyn and right below Boston. And by the way, I mean, it's not like those two teams have like a runaway lead in the East. I mean, it is extremely tight. I mean, a lot of people would disagree with this, but it's, I wouldn't say it's insane to say the Cavaliers, I mean, it's possible if things break their way to be the number one seed in the East. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that yeah. is. Yeah, they got I wouldn't, a puncher's chance. I wouldn't, pick, I wouldn't pick them to be the number one seed, but certainly would I say it's impossible? No. And I think if Donovan Mitchell leads them to a top three seed, I think he is highly advisable as a top candidate. And looking at this um, NBA official MVP list, um, it's called the Kia MVP ladder. I mean, the disrespect for Donovan is real. I mean, he's tied for seventh <laughs> with John Morant. Wow. So, um, and Zion's 10th. So that tells you how much respect Zion has. But um, just the rankings here, it goes Giannis 5, Luka 4, Kevin Durant 3, um, Jason Tatum 2, and then um, the Joker 1. So, wow. And I think, to me, I I know we've done a lot of Nets bashing on this podcast. Um, it's been a rocky season for them. But you got to give it up for Kevin Durant. This is a season, This is a team going through a lot of turmoil. The interview came out on Bleacher Report about you know him saying that he wasn't really thinking low expectations of his teammates, but yet they are you know at the top of the East in the number two seed. I mean that is pretty incredible as well through all the turmoil with Kyrie Irving. You know I think that's a, that's a take into a strong consideration when we're measuring the MVP race, and so when I'm looking at guys with you know equal to comparable numbers as the Joker. And yet I see, you know, Donovan Mitchell, you know, with lower expectations or Kevin Durant dealing with all the BS, maybe self-inflicted, but nevertheless, um, really, you know, pushing the Nets to the top of the East. I think that might give him the edge over the Joker, but we'll see. I mean, extremely close. I mean, you can't really go wrong. I don't like really just whole thing about, oh, this guy got robbed or this is a 
disgrace to the NBA if, you know, the Joker wins it, you know, three times in a row. I, 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 th I think he'd be well-deserving, but I think it's really close, and I think there are a lot of guys that are going to be top competition. Yeah, a couple thoughts. Uh, I do wonder how the next month of KD being out will affect that. That's true. You know, Good I would point. expect, especially if the Nets can hold, like, top four seed, it seems like that hurts his case, you know, which is unfortunate because that's due to injury, not due to KD. Yeah. Um, I mean, as much drama as there's been, as much criticism as we've given for things off the court, we've always – been big KD fans when he's on the court. Agree, we have um, no doubt. So I like your take about Donovan Mitchell, and I do think it's an interesting spin because that's a team that has not been in the narrative as a top puncher until this season, until he comes over to that team uh, in the off season. So it's easy to make a narrative around that. I think the other narratives are a, a tad bit more difficult. I mean, for Luca, the Mavericks being fourth place in the West at the recording of this podcast is not super impressive, but the numbers are super impressive. So I still think if the Mavs go on a run at any point, like a, you know, seven plus game win streak in the second half of the season to raise their seed, I think that's your ticket for Luca. I think for the Bucks, it almost feels like it's out of reach for Giannis unless that team turns around and wins the East. Even then, they are <clears throat> perceived as a very deep team, and he's won MVP before. So I think that pulls against him quite a bit. I think the Celtics are perceived as, like, super deep. So it's going to be tough for Tatum to win but his advantage is he hasn't won it before. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he is putting up impressive numbers, you know, more than 30 points a game at this point. Um, and that's a number that for us 90s kids, you know, <laughs> brings a lot of significance. It just kind of draws your eye to it because you think of Michael Jordan when you see someone averaging, you know, 30 plus points per game. That's true. Um, <clears throat> whether that's unfair or not, that I'm just saying there's a threshold that when you get to that number of points per game. So I, I think you're right. I think, I mean, if the Cavaliers got like a top three seed, like you said, that's, I think the easiest narrative, and then we just have to see where his numbers are and if they're impressive enough to scale the other players. It, there's no argument that I think Luca's <clears throat> numbers are most impressive, like jumping out on paper. But when you look at the efficiency and the percentages, I think Jokic's numbers are even a little bit more impressive, even though he's scoring less. Um, true. So it, just in terms of like the efficiency that he's playing. I mean, the other night he took five shots, made all five of them and had like 16 rebounds and 11 assists or something like that. Or maybe I have those backwards. Maybe it was 11 rebounds and 16 assists. He was just like passing the ball around, <laughs> made yeah. every shot. Kind of reminded me of, you know, the LeBron efficiency Miami heat years. Remember that season mm -hmm. where he was trying to shoot, 60% or better for almost the entire season. He almost did it. Um, so I, I love that there are so many narratives that work here for MVP. That's, that's a good thing to keep this conversation going. I know some folks don't like the MVP conversation, but I think it's also a good way to talk about the league as a whole. Any it's other exciting. thoughts on the MVP yeah. race, Justin? No, you pretty much covered it. It's exciting. I mean, that's what it's good for the league. 
when it's that competitive. So, Thank you for listening to the latest edition of Hoopsology's in the Lab. If you have any questions for us, please email your thoughts to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel for our latest content. As stated earlier, we are a proud member of Underdog Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.